0: a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America, Can We Talk? with Debbie Addis On America, Can We Talk? we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America, Can
1: We Talk? starts now. And good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie Addis. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? On the first five tonight, I want to talk about the House GOP bill that is being... Pitched as though it is a repeal of Obamacare. And I have a lot of friends who tell me, I take notes while I listen to your show. This is note taking time because this is really, really important stuff. I want to start by asking you to remember back to 2010, prior to the passage of the health care bill, President Obama signed it into law in March of 2010. At that time, Eighty-five percent of Americans polled over and over and over were happy with their health care. They were happy with their health insurance. They, and poll after poll after poll, told the Democrats in Washington, do not pass Obamacare. They passed it because, to Democrats, taking control of the health care system was a long-term goal, as is for leftists around the world. There was no crisis. There was a manufactured lie of a crisis that caused— The American people to it. I mean, many Americans protested, but the Democrats decided we're just going to push this through. Understand this, what they did. They did not focus, for example, just on the chronically uninsurable, which or you want to call them preexisting conditions, people and the poor. They didn't focus on people who maybe needed some adjustments in the health care system. The Democrat Party chose to take over the entire health system of the American government and what the republicans have come up now up with now in 2017 is kind of like if the democrats passed slavery in 2010 and the republicans are saying well we we ran all along, of course you're going to repeal slavery but you know how about indentured servitude how's that grab you republicans this is not a repeal or anything close to repeal i'm going to run through three reasons we could spend the whole 2 hours tonight doing this i'm just going to hit on three reasons This is a debacle, a disaster, and a failure of the Republicans to stand up and stand with the values they said they believed in when they ran. Number one. This bill, this—and I'm going to call it GOP care because this bill is going to hang over the next of the GOP. It's either going to, going to be our proudest moment because we actually repealed, or it's going to sink us in the polls and sink us in future elections if we botch this up. And this bill is botched up. So number one objection to the current bill, it entrenches and encourages expansion of Medicaid— now, it does, by 2010, call for ending the growth of Medicaid. But just to so get us a little picture of what a an um, insidious thing was done by the Democrats in the Obamacare bill, they, they made more and more Americans eligible for Medicaid to receive their care through Medicaid. Medicaid's supposed to be for the poor and the disabled. But since Obamacare was passed, 11.5 million Americans— came into Medicaid. So we added 11.5 million Americans. Half of them were people who previously had private health insurance. It is an effort by the big government Democrat Party to push more people into dependency on the government, reliance for their health care, health care on Medicaid. Republican bill. Will allow this to expand. People will have up until 2020, excuse me, yeah, 2020 to get into Medicare, get on the gravy train, Medicaid, get on the gravy train, and become eligible for, for free health care or greatly reduced cost health care through Medicaid. So it's a failure to repeal the expansion of Medicaid. That's fault number one. Fault number two, this bill continues the strangling regulations by the federal government on the insurance industry. The three biggest drivers— Of the unbelievable increase in expense in insurance, premiums, and in the deductibles, the three biggest regulatory drivers—guaranteed issue, community rating, and mandated essential benefits—all three of them are still there in the law. The biggest drivers of all—the reason Republicans got pressed to get rid of this Obamacare deal was in large part because it's been so expensive— All of the big cost drivers still in the bill. The the Republicans did nothing about it. And the third one was this bill, this uh, GOP CARE, Ryan CARE bill, it substitutes one penalty for another for individuals. It still penalizes the individual. Now, the bill does take away the individual mandate, the employer mandate, but then it puts a penalty on an individual who seeks to buy health insurance insurance. If he or she didn't have health insurance for 63 days out of the last 12 months and that penalty is not paid to the IRS, it is the federal government forcing insurance companies by law to charge anyone who falls into that category previously uninsured to penalize them with a 30 percent higher premium for the first year of their policy. Folks, there are dozens of other reasons I could lay out for you about why this bill is so disastrous. But the long and short of it is this. Americans swarmed to the polls in 2016 to say we want this bill to end. It's why the Republicans won the interim elections in 2010 and took the House. It's why in 2014 Republicans got the majority in the Senate. It's one of the main reasons President Trump won the election is because people said repeal this bill. What Republicans have done is nothing close. They have tweaked around the edges and left this bill and its structural disaster largely in place. And we come back after this upcoming break. I'm going to tell you the role Paul Ryan is playing in this, and even more so, you won't hear anywhere else, the role that Ryan's Priebus is playing. It is a disaster, and you need to stand up and fight it now. This is Debbie Georgiatis and America Can We Talk.
2: August 2, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son Mark Allen Lee had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the heroes' hope home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit AmericasMightyWarriors.org today to
3: learn more. That's AmericasMightyWarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield.
0: nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the
1: Hi, this is Debbie Georgiadis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility, when politicians propose solutions, to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues, but even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiadis on America Can We Talk? And welcome back to America, Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Addis. I talked my first five tonight about the GOP care bill, the Republican care bill, the House bill that Paul Ryan others put out. And you know, it's funny. It was just this past Monday, six days ago, it seems like three months ago, given all the commentary on television, online. Still, though, I urge you to think about the importance of this issue. In America, we survived without government-controlled health care from 1776 until 2010 we survived all that time what the democrats did in washington in 2010 the, the magnitude of the of the change to american government american culture Cannot be overstated. The Democrats did not just fix problems in the health care bill. They took over the, every single health care policy, the entire health care industry in America. There was no reason to do that except for simple, raw love of power. I wrote a blog about this. I actually um, just really um, want to encourage you to go to my website, org. My blog posting is called The House GOP's American Health Care Act From 30,000 Feet to Ground Zero, The Wrong Direction for America. Is filled with facts. I've actually gotten a lot of nice emails and um, uh, comments about it, so I appreciate people reading it. But it's at the website, org because this battle is not over. The reason I'm really har- harping on this tonight, the Republicans do not have the votes in the House or in the Senate to pass this bill. Stop and think about what a poor representation this is on Paul Ryan and other Republican leaders Republicans have been wanting to repeal this bill since 2010. They've had a rock-solid reason to get a very firm, clear final draft ready since November 8th, since they knew they were then going to have the House, the Senate, and the White House. And they came out with a bill, number one, they kept it secret. So even Republicans had to read read the bill in secret. To give them credit, they did put it out before the the, um, discussion committees passed. But the Republicans don't have the votes for this, and our job as patriots— is to make sure they don't get the votes on this bill. This is not locked in. This is not locked in. This is a very an area where the change could happen and your activism matters. I want to tell you something, though, uh, that I just think is vitally important to share. Yesterday, I had opportunity to um, have a direct and kind of lengthy conversation uh, with a Republican congressman. It's not my congressman, but a very conservative Republican congressman. Who was talking about the role Reince Priebus has placed and has played in this um, this debacle? And you know, I hadn't thought about it. But let me back up and just mention: Do you remember back when? Um Ronald Reagan was uh, going to be giving his speech to the Berlin Wall. It was in June of 1987, the famous tear down this wall. Well, he had advisors around him, close advisors saying, you know, you really can't say that because that, that the Germans might get mad and somebody else might get mad. And it's really not very statesmanlike. And you shouldn't say that. And he had people outside of that saying, no, say it, say it. You're right. Say it. So obviously, you know, Ronald Reagan found the internal compass or patriotism to say and just wedded to the right idea of freedom to say, tear down this wall. Well, here's what's happening to Donald Trump. President Trump did not know until this week, after the Ryan Care, GOP Care mess was put out, that the grassroots, the conservatives who elected him, the grassroots masses that turned out at all of his talks, Donald Trump did not know that the the conservatives, the Tea Party, didn't like the bill, didn't want this. He thought it was what they wanted. And in part, his perception was being shaped by Reince Priebus, his chief of staff, who very carefully protects who gets a talk to President Trump, whose views get placed in front of President Trump on his desk. So this congressman was sharing with me that Donald Trump was very unhappy to learn that he'd gotten behind this bill thinking that it was what his voters wanted, and it isn't. And so I'm very inspired and very encouraged by the idea that now that Donald Trump, President Trump, knows that this bill is not what the people elected him to do, it is, you have to know, nobody who was out there on the campaign trail, no volunteer, nobody who showed up at those packed rallies, no one was sitting in those seats thinking, I sure hope they tweak that medical practice, medical, um, you know, accessories tax. I sure hope they're thinking, get this government intrusion into my private health care insurance away. Just get rid of it. The biggest problem created or many problems created by Obamacare, but one being the just skyrocketing premiums and difficulty of getting a policy that meets all the government's requirements, the requirement that you buy a policy that contains things you don't even need or want All of that was left in the health care bill because Paul Ryan did not draft something that the people wanted. And frankly, folks, I don't know whether Paul Ryan knows it and doesn't care or doesn't know it, but we need to make sure he and all the Republicans in Congress do know it. And speaking of Speaker Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, you know, I'm sorry. I know he's got a charming boyish look and he just seems like a swell guy. I'm telling you, there's a lot about this is really rotten in his behavior. One is just To be clear about what may be motivating him to keep Obamacare essentially intact, what he's calling a repeal bill is essentially keeping Obamacare intact. One aspect that may be influencing him is if you go to a website called OpenSecrets.org you got to go to it, opensecrets.org. You will discover that Speaker Paul Ryan is a recipient. He is often the top recipient or near the top in campaign donations from insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. They fund him. They like Obamacare. They like government control. They like the assured payments to them from government control. These people don't want it repealed, and they donate to Paul Ryan. And top of that, I'll tie that Paul Ryan, what he's engaged in right now, Speaker Paul Ryan is engaged in is there is a group called the American Action Network and the Washington Post even reported this group, American Action Network, a group with close ties to Republican leaders, including House Speaker Paul Ryan, are airing a half million dollars worth of television ads against fellow Republicans who won't support his health care bill against the people in the Freedom Caucus, the people who stand for what the conservatives want, Paul Ryan, an affiliated group, is running as against them. Paul Ryan is determined to get this non-repeal a monster that he's created through Congress, and I'm telling you, he doesn't have the votes, and he's getting frustrated. Three of the points I want to hit in this segment on, on Obamacare, because I hope that all of you feel inspired to dig in. Go to my website again, org, Read my blog post on it. Google it. There's a lot out there about it. But it's really important to understand when you hear anyone, Senate or House, of a uh, GOP person saying, well, we can't do full repeal because we don't have 60 votes in the Senate. We can't do full repeal because, you know, we can't pass pass a repeal under Senate reconciliation, which only requires 51 votes. Please, please, believe me, read up on it yourself. Google Chip Roy and health care bill. Google something and figure this out. The Senate... Can repeal every word of Obamacare using reconciliation, which only requires 51 votes, and we have 51 Republicans. We have 52 Republicans understand that when they are telling you that what they're really saying, I'm too chicken hearted. I don't want to face the media. I don't want to face Democrats. I don't want to face protesters at my town halls. So I'm going to be, I'm going to say we we would repeal it, but we're just limited. They're not limited. They're chicken hearted. And you got to understand. I also heard from the same congressman uh, was telling me that there are two, three, and maybe four Republican senators, U S senators who have said they, if it's a full repeal of Obama, can they pull it all back? They won't vote for it. And you know what I say to that? Bring it on. Just dare them. Pass that repeal, full repeal in the House, get over to the Senate, and just, I dare them to vote no on repeal of Obamacare. Another point that's really important to understand is this. If a full repeal happens today, and President Trump signed it today, no one who has insurance under the exchanges, an Obamacare insurance policy, would lose anything. All of those subsidies are already paid through the middle, middle of July, and Republicans can extend those payments. No, the big scare tactic, oh, Republicans will be pulling away insurance from people under the exchanges, is not true. Two more points here. Republicans need to borrow a page from the Democrats. Look what they did when they had power in 2010. They did what they wanted. They took over the entire health care system. Be bold, Republicans. Be just as bold as, as the Democrats were and come back to freedom. Repeal the idea in the American public that health care should be provided by the government. And the last point I'll make before it, got to go off to break, is this. You keep hearing Republicans saying, well, you know, we're, this is just phase one. We're going to have phase two, phase three. Let me tell you, folks, this health care bill repealing Obamacare is a— a volatile hot potato. Republicans will never touch it again. This is our chance. They will not come back and make other changes. They will not come back later and do a further repeal. It's now or never. They're, they have to get on with all the other Donald, President Trump, uh, you know, things he wants to get done, tax cuts, border security, refugee policy. He's got his plate full. They're not going to come back and do more repealing. It's now or never. This is Debbie George-Ass, America, Can We Talk? We come back. I have to take a deep breath. After the break, when we come back, we actually have a wonderful guest joining us, Maria Espinoza, co-founder and national director of The Remembrance Project, which is dedicated to being a voice for victims killed by illegal aliens. And I have my roundtable joining me at this segment. I have Lori Guerra and Lori Medina, Lori and Lori show. Don't go away. We're going to love this next guest. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are tens of thousands of Heritage members and supporters in North Texas alone. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage Experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates on the fight for America from Heritage President Jim DeMint, plus exclusive invitations to conservative events right here in Dallas or wherever you are in America. So join the growing movement.
2: Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to
3: IPI.org today. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. If you
2: want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, That's IWF.org.
4: Can you hear us now? Can you hear us now?
1: And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I love my second hour, Right View Roundtable, and tonight, and I love when they join me the first hour, too. So right now, I have two of them uh, joining me this evening, Lori Medina and Lori Guerra. Yep, Lori and Lori Show. Yep. And um, we have online, I do believe, uh, our guest this evening, who is Maria Espinoza. Hello. Do we have Maria?
5: Yes.
1: Okay. Well, there you are. Hello. Um, (laughs) So glad you could join us. That was probably something on my end. Um, I mentioned to our listeners before we got started in this segment that you are the co-founder and national director of the Remembrance Project. But And I I know what it is, but I'd love if you would just tell our listeners a little bit about what it is.
5: Uh, Yes, Debbie. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, we started the Remembrance Project in 2009, and we advocate for families whose loved ones were killed by someone who should not have been in the country in the first place. Um, my husband and I here are based in Houston. We just uh, relocated up to Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, we're just busy trying to save lives of uh, Americans who are might be victimized in other states in Texas and all over the country and raising awareness of what is taking place right here in America.
1: You know, I love this. I know uh, your organization, I don't know if you personally, but your organization was part of the Republican Convention, I believe, right? You had people on stage one evening. Is that right? Yes. Yeah.
5: Yes, that's correct.
1: Why that was so powerful for our listeners, if you weren't watching, is because you can read statistics and numbers and the the kind of abstract threat that perhaps some people who are illegal aliens in this country may commit crimes. But when you see family members who've lost, you know, sons and daughters and husbands and wives, and it, it makes this real. And, you know, I know people could say, well, but there are all sorts of terrible crimes that happen. People lose people. But all of this crime that you're focusing on Remembrance Project Is crime that didn't have to happen?
5: Correct. Every single crime committed by an illegal alien here in our country was preventable, and that's our point because that we're trying to make. And we also do this, Debbie, with our "Stolen Lives" quilt banners, which we um, have created a visual memorial. It's a six-foot-long digitally printed full color by three feet tall, and on each six-foot banner, we memorialize three Americans. And, you know, we connect the dots with this quilt. We basically do the job that the liberal media or the mainstream media is supposed to be doing is raising awareness, sounding the alarm that – All of these Americans would still be here with their families, going to school, maybe being, you know, a police officer or a lawyer or just helping out their um, elderly parents and be by their side. And this is how our families are suffering. It's a trickle effect, as you know, Debbie. It's not just one solitary killing, but the entire family is affected, and thus the community is also affected.
1: We do—I'm glad you're saying all that. I couldn't agree more. We're speaking, if you've just tuned in tonight, Maria Espinosa, the co-founder and national director of the Remembrance Project. I want to ask one question, Lori, and Lori may have questions, but the one I want to ask you is, do you take a position on the subject of sanctuary cities?
5: Oh, absolutely. That's actually why the Remembrance Project was created, because right here in Houston, there was a police officer by the name of Henry Canales who was shot— and the report there on the news we were wa watch- my husband and i were watching it and they mentioned another killing of a houston police officer by the name of rodney johnson who had been previously shot and his uh, officer johnson's wife filed a lawsuit against the city of houston and it had to do with sanctuary city policies and to remove those policies And this is the first time we ever heard of sanctuary city policies, and my husband and I wanted to, you know, sound the alarm. And once we went around to officials, we naively thought that they somehow didn't know, Um, but it it just – even saddened us more because they absolutely knew our politicians know what is taking place and create these creating these safe havens for illegal aliens all throughout Texas, but all over the United States as well. So you know, here we are, seven years later, Debbie still fighting. Sanctuary city policies are still in place. You can see um, some of these major cities where um, democratic Mayors have dug in and have created slush funds for illegal aliens, and they flat out um, say they will protect illegal aliens and that they, they're safe in their communities. This is aiding the betting, and, abetting, and I, I just don't understand, Debbie, how, how far down our America has, has, you know, slid down that slippery slope of being very uh, chaotic. Rather than a civil, you know, community or society.
1: Yeah, the word I always think of is lawless, simply lawless sanctuary city, by the way. I assume all listeners know it means a city that simply will not honor federal immigration law so that when they have someone detained or arrested and they will not follow procedures of a federal government request to be sure this person, before they are released again, uh, whether or not they, they're, they are an illegal immigrant, whether well, they should be processed through ICE and removed, they they essentially harbor illegal aliens. Okay, Lori Medina, I think you have a question, right?
6: Hey Maria, it's Lori Medina. Hi you? Lori, how are you? Good to talk I'm to doing you. Doing well.
1: Yeah, um, I
6: nice got talking a- with you. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Hey, got a question. Um, you know, we keep hearing that there's going to be immigration legislation coming down the pike at some point with the Trump administration leading the charge, which we're all looking forward to. Um, I'm curious to know if if you have had any impact on that on that upcoming legislation, or there's going to be anything to to make these victims whole. Uh, these, these victims of, of these crimes. Right.
5: Um, we're doing our best, Lori. And back in April of 2015, um, I, along with three other Latinos, and I say that because we penned a letter under America First Latinos, another initiative of the Remembrance Project, we sent a letter to every governor in the United States asking for a, an office for the victims of illegal alien crimes to be created. And this was because of Obama's White House task force um, for new Americans. And also some of these offices are being created in some of the states. And specifically when we were combating was the one that was trying to be created in California. So we did send a letter. The response was poor. And in March of twenty sixteen of last year, I customized that letter and re-sent it and, and sent it to the four remaining GOP presidential candidates at the time. And of course, Donald Trump was one of them and he responded immediately. He's the only candidate by the way, who responded to our letters in twenty fifteen and in twenty sixteen in asking for a creation of a, an office to help these families become whole, because it is a very different crime.
6: Mm-hmm. Because what we
5: have here are judges, DAs, um, who are activist judges. And at times we've learned that even our victimized family, American family, has been barred from giving, for example, a victim's impact statement. And that is absolutely mm-hmm. wrong,, you yeah. know, so they mislead them or misguide them, um, and they even don't even tell them of some of the hearings because they're activist um, mm-hmm. prosecutors, so you know um, and President Trump now, the agreement that he um, said that he would support in a Trump administration was simply this: um, we asked for burial medical and counseling assistance and also assistance through the court system or legal assistance, because that's what, what they need most. And, and people say, well, there are counseling um, out there. There is um, also a victim's advocacy group out there in each state. But what we're finding is that as soon as this issue having to do with illegal aliens arises in, within that case, uh, that issue um, comes up I guess I don't know that the activists uh, DA's or whatnot um, you know they, they don't treat them the same and how they should be treated a counselor might you know really kind of uh, they say tense up and this is from a family's um, words this council tenses up when they talk about illegal aliens and how the government failed them. And how can you get counseling to assist you and really work when the person that is supposed to be helping you has an issue with, with this, you know, with their words or what they're talking mm-hmm, about? Indeed.
1: You know, Maria, I need to jump in. This is Debbie. We are uh, 10 seconds away from a firm break. Can you hold on during the break? Yes. Thanks so much for speaking to Maria Espinoza, founder and um national director for the remembrance project and we want to talk to us a little bit more so I'll come right back after our break
2: America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas, dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations, and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out CenterForSecurityPolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's CenterForSecurityPolicy.org. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in healthcare, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition in the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's think tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. Hi,
1: this is Debbie Georgiatis. I want to tell you why I do this radio show, America Can We Talk? In my life, I've been a full-time attorney, a wife and a stay-at-home mom, a volunteer at our kids' schools and sports teams, and a political activist. I've been active in many political campaigns, organizations, and events, from the grassroots level to elected leadership roles, and from volunteer to paid consultant. One theme that runs through my life since my days of majoring in political science in college has been a continually growing admiration for the idea of America. And that gets me to why I do this show. America is the most important political idea in the world. Everything good and great about America is the result of these ideas of America. Things like the rule of law, limited power in the federal government, separation of powers, protection of individual rights of each citizen. So in my show, we talk about the events and stories of the day, always tied back to preserving the ideas of america
2: could you lose your career because of your faith could your pastor be sued because of his sermons can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about god can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs get the answers and if necessary legal protection from first liberty institute First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans, in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now.
4: And welcome
1: back. I'm Debbie Addis and we have online tonight Maria Espinoza. It's just an amazing organization she has formed, an amazing story they have. this is She's co-founder and national director of the Remembrance Project. Okay, so, Maria, I have to tell you that we have this new thing on our show. We, uh, we have a call-in message line. People can leave messages ahead of time as we put out you know, who's going to be on the show. And we have a question for you. I believe we have it lined up over there with Happy Greg, who runs the boards. Thank goodness. Do we yeah, have I our have question? a question
6: for your guest. From the Remembrance Project. Um, Maria, do you believe that the American Immigration Council narrative that focuses on or states that immigrants commit fewer crimes than non-immigrants, is that a canard or is that a misdirection by them or is there any merit in what they claim? Thanks.
5: Sure. And thank you for that. And first of all, um, right out of the box, Debbie, I think that any crime committed by someone who should not have been here was preventable. Unless you are the recipient of that crime, then I don't think that people really take a close look at that. So, I mean, how many lives um, is it okay to, to lose? How many Americans... Is okay what's that magic number that okay after this many people um, we are going to allow to be killed by illegal aliens you know that's that's the first question because I think that everyone will agree that if it was your family member who was victimized then people will, will speak up but secondly that um, that statement, I believe that they mix illegal aliens with um, legal immigrants, and that's so unfair. An illegal, there's no such thing, first of all, as an illegal immigrant. So our definitions here in the United States has to change. They have to be correct in what they're what they're um, being spoken. So it's really an illegal alien, an immigrant, and someone who arrives the right way. And yes, immigrants, that immigrant demographic or population does commit fewer crimes because guess what? Because they have gone through the process. They appreciate being here in our country. They have applied. They have paid. They have waited. They have been vetted. So immigrants do commit a lower percentage of crimes. However. Illegal aliens combined with immigrants, that that certainly is a skewed number, or I guess um, statistics is what they're talking about here. But um, So let's just bring it back to number one. No crimes should be committed by those who shouldn't have been in the country in the first place.
1: Couldn't agree more. In fact, you know what, I'll tell you, I I have some statistics in front of me. And yes, I've been warned a thousand times that no one can follow numbers on the air. Yes, I know this. So I'm going to try to say this, but (laughs) you're exactly right. The people who try to argue that it's wrong to focus in on illegal alien crime. Number one, if it's anyone, anyone's a victim, that's one too many because uh, Mm -hmm. committed by an action, an action committed by someone who wasn't supposed to be here. But the other data, there were two bits of data out from the Government Accountability Office, and they both really just kind of shoot to smithereens this argument that, you know, this is silly to focus on illegal aliens. Um, And again, I will tell you that criminal aliens, both legal and illegal, make up 27 percent of all federal prisoners, even though they're only about 9 percent of the nation's adult population. Therefore, noncitizens commit federal crimes at three times the rate of citizens. That's number one. Number two, this is the U.S. government accountability office. The second one was even more upsetting, which looks at the criminal histories of 55,000 aliens who entered the country illegally and were still here illegally at the time they were incarcerated. Of those 55,000 who were in that case arrested and still uh, illegally entered, still illegal when they got arrested, um... They had been arrested, the total um, number of those, 55,000 having been uh, Ill- illegal aliens. This was all for fiscal year 2003, by the way, so it's probably far worse now, but this is the data they had. They've been arrested almost 500,000 times, an average of 8.3 arrests per illegal alien, 8.3 arrests per illegal alien, and committed almost 700,000 offenses, roughly 12 times, 12.7 12. offenses per alien. So this this is a uh, just a... I don't even know what to call it. It's just, it's fake news. How about that? Fake news. Okay. So I, I, you know, that question, I was glad to have that question because I think that's one completely unjustified uh, attack people make on the the, uh, work of exposing illegal aliens and stopping illegal immigration to America. And the truth is, it is very problematic. You know, we could probably talk to you for hours, Maria, but we, we have to roll. This show is just sadly too short every week. I do want to ask if you could share with our listeners, how can they support the Remembrance Project?
5: Oh, thank you, Debbie. Uh, yes, we go on our website, theremembranceproject.org, and, of course, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, so our, your generous donation, $5, $20, anything, we will gladly uh, be good stewards of your uh, dollars, and we just ask for your support. We're not just in Texas. We're, of course, all over and nationwide, and you know, we're doing all we can. We're hard at work. Um, you know we work seven days a week, obviously. You know anywhere from twelve to eighteen hours depends on what's going on, and we're just being so blessed. Uh, God has a big hand in this little organization, Debbie. So um, you know we ask for prayers and um, stay involved, staying engaged for certain. Please stay engaged because we're we have a good. A good man in the White House right now. He is certainly pro-American, but he needs all your help. Um, so, and thank you again, Debbie, for um, speaking out and for your voice and for giving us the opportunity as well. So thank you.
1: Maria Espinoza, thank you so very much for calling in. Love, love talking to you. And and my friends, I do encourage you to go to their website and support this amazing organization. Okay, this is our end of the uh, first hour. We usually have a cruise through the news. And um, in case we get a magical time warp, I have 10 stories. But in case we don't, I have just a couple stories. I want to ask Lori and Lori, my right view roundtable here, uh, their views on them. The first one, I just... It's almost laughable, but I just have to bring it up. This is a, as my dad used to love to say, this is a true story. But the Washington Post actually ran an article questioning whether or not a Heritage Foundation pool reporter covering Vice President Pence crossed the line into biased journalism like they they try to talk about you know we have partisan and then we have media and the lines are being blurred they're complaining a heritage foundation person was permitted as a pool reporter and uh covering vice president pence on thursday coming from the washington post any irony here anybody or uh
6: you can just call me medina tonight just to keep it clear (laughs) so (laughs) um uh I, I i Actually, next to the, your link on my paper, I wrote "Who cares?" Yeah. <laughs> um, because really, who cares? Uh, I, you know, I'm all for if if they want to revolutionize that press pool, then they should bring everybody in. They should bring in Heritage. They should bring in Breitbart. They should bring in. Uh, they should bring in Slate. They should bring in BuzzFeed. HuffPo. That's yeah. right. They should bring everybody in. Uh, everybody has an opinion. Let them right. all speak. I'm
1: just, I'm just floored. Who cares? But I'm floored though that Washington Post thinks of themselves as, my point was as unbiased media. Right. I mean, they're claiming here, we are up these high standards of integrity and you know, we're so neutral and fair. And they with the Washington Post, for crying out loud. They Anything are to claiming add? to be the moral authority. That's oh, what yeah. they're claiming to be. Sorry, go ahead. That's your big point A uh, moral yes. authority. You're right. Anything no, to add?
7: I, I just think that the media in general, they need to they need to focus on just reporting the truth and the facts for us all and let us make up our own minds instead of them trying to filter Everything for us. I don't think that gives enough respect, really, to the American people. I mean, we we're smart enough to make up our own minds. Just give us the facts, give us the truth. We'll do the rest.
1: Yeah, perfect. Uh, I love that. That was Lori G. Lori M. Okay, so here's another story. I actually find this rather amazing, but I do have a serious commentary about it. So pitzer College. Just see if, if you don't happen to know this school. It's part of the Claremont Schools, which are considered very, uh, very uh, respectable, high, you know, kind of high-fluting intellectual schools in California. Pitzer College has one wall that they call the Freedom of Speech Wall, and people can do graffiti on it. So someone wrote on the Freedom of Speech Wall at Pitzer, white girl, take off your hoop earrings.
6: Well, it was Hispanic girls that did that, that wrote that, wrote that on the wall.
1: Right, right. And she was not only—so my point is, this what is going on at Pitzer is— <laughs> So, someone writes this on the free speech wall, and some, some you know, buddy probably from Iowa or something, uh, a, a white student said, Why are they complaining? Why can't I wear hoop earrings? And so, they, the person who wrote it on the wall is a, uh, an, a resident assistant an RA. I was an RA in college. I, I, I would have been fired as an RA had I mouthed off, as this girl did. She wrote the entire school to basically say certain cultural things only Hispanic and black students should be allowed to do because otherwise it constitutes cultural appropriation. And I realize I may be sounding insensitive. I'm sorry if I do. Maybe someone wants to chime in saying being insensitive, but I would just say this of all the issues in the world, really? We're going to talk about hoop earrings and who guessed it. There was something about eyeliner and you can't do a certain thing with your eyeliner if you're not black or Hispanic. I mean, just really, this is this entitled, um, you know, minority outrage over hoop earrings. I
6: I thought this was supposed to be the melting pot. I thought we were supposed to go to college and learn about other cultures and learn about other viewpoints. And now I'm being lectured on my earrings. Um, this, it's just insane. I mean, and really, this is kind of the definition of the whole snowflake, you know, identity yes. movement kind of thing of, you know, every every tiny
7: little thing offends them. I
6: mean, I, I, it's I actually wrote Who Cares next to that one, too.
7: Jeez, I've mean, got <laughs> a bunch of who cares. Do you care, Lori G? <laughs> I, I just think it's getting a little outrageous. I mean, everybody... You know what's what's wrong with being able to express yourself. You may not agree with what somebody else is doing or how they're expressing themselves, but my goodness, we all have the right to express ourselves. So it just it's going too far when you're trying to tell people what they can and cannot do, and then going even further saying that it's be, it's culturally offensive or or it only belongs to a certain culture and no one else is allowed to speak speak about it. I mean, that's just going way way too far, especially on a college campus where you're supposed to have freedom of thought.
1: Mm-hmm. I just thought of something when you right. were talking. Plus, whatever happened to be, you know, like. Um, what is the expression? Emulation is the highest form of flattery. Flattery. I, I mean, what is that? What about? I mean, I would love if I anyone who knows me. I never set fashion trends. Everyone knows this. But if I ever did, I'd be flattered exactly. if I actually did something. well, I'm trying to dress like her. That's never happened in my entire life. But <laughs> I think it's a cool idea. Honestly, why not be flattered that people are, um, you know, trying to copy what? If you, even if some particular fashion thing did begin in a particular community. Okay, I only have six more stories, but this guy is going to start playing music while I'm trying to talk. This is Debbie George Addis, Lori Medina, Lori Gere, America, Kimmy Talk. We can back after break. We're going to go back to the health care bill. I want to find out what ladies think, think we ought to do in Washington. Don't go away.
4: We